Um, that I guess no hidden agenda here. I literally want people to understand the voice of the Lord so that they can minister. I gave a word this morning um, at, uh, in first service for an individual. Um, and if you were here the first week, I, I, I talked about the passing, passing through um, kind of concept where Jesus was literally going from point A to point B and these amazing things happened at A and a half, you know? And just crazy, crazy things. Think of the woman who had the bleeding issue, right? Jesus had no agenda of doing that, right? We've heard the story. You guys are looking at me blankly. We've heard that story maybe once. That's fine. He was going from one destination to another. Remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man? Yes? He was going from one, Jesus was going from one place to another. All of these crazy moments. I gave, a, I gave that word this morning to a, a gentleman uh, named Ronald. Um, and I believe that the Lord wants that same reality for all of us. Not just for Ronald. He's a cool guy. Maybe you get to meet him one day. He's awesome. He's like a, well, he's training like to be an Olympian. Dude, that guy is strong and I would want him in my corner if I was getting in a fight. Which, don't know why I'd be in a fight, but just so you know, that's who I'd want in my corner. Him and Benji. Um, but I believe that the Lord wants to unleash something in this room, frankly, at Encounter at Encounter Church, which is the building that we're in, right? I believe that the Lord wants to activate and turn on the on switch for people and say, hey, let's wake up. Let's stop playing church. Let's not just come here and, all right, Lex will sing cute songs and then we'll move on. I'll, I'll sing cute songs all the day long and maybe that'll be what you get out of it. But man, I want your heart to be moved. I want the roof tiles to be blown off of this place because of our praise going to the that's what I want. Okay? No secrets? Are you on board with that? Like, is, is that something you guys want? Wouldn't it be cool to have all your friends in here and you guys all to be like-minded, prophesying over one another, seeing people healed? I've seen a lot of things healed. I don't plan on stopping that. I've seen a lot of it. I've seen epilepsy go away. I've seen Achilles' tendons be knit together in my hand. I felt it. And it was creepy. <laughs> I, everything in me wanted me to pull my hand back, but I stood back. You know? Like, is that okay? You guys want to see it too, right? I've seen legs grow. I've seen it. I've been a part of these things. And I know that you guys are like, all right, is this God guy real? He is. He's very, very real. He heals today. I've seen it. I've seen him. I've seen him heal my mom with cancer. I've seen it. I'm I'm here to turn up the volume. Okay. Are you guys with me on that? Yes. Okay. We're gonna start with the, the last couple message or the the first message that we had here because we didn't have service last week. Um, but we're going to start simply to lay a foundation, and then we're going to escalate very quickly. What I mean by that is we're going to the depths of who God is and what his purpose is and what moves his heart. That's my goal. Okay? Tonight, we're going to talk about why Jesus 
would do such a weird miracle? Why would he do such a weird miracle? Right? Nobody knew it was him. We'll read the story in a second. Nobody knew why or how it happened except for a certain couple people. The rest of the wedding, which is what where this place where this thing took place, nobody knew. They just knew it was really good wine. Which, if you know me, I like wine. I drink too. You'll survive. Okay. I got nothing to hide. But why? You know? That's the question that I've been asking the Lord a lot is why? Why do you do the things that you do? And why do you not do the things that you don't do? Anybody ask these questions? Yeah. I do. My dad just had a stroke and he's not completely 100% yet. And I'm not happy about it. Try not to pray with anger. <laughs> Try to pray steadily for 100% healing. That's what I'm going after, right? Why does he not restore 100% right when I think he should? Because well, I'm not God. Okay? But that's what we're going to be going after. Is that cool? Are you guys with me? Okay? So um, why did Jesus turn water into wine? The simple, simple answer is he saw a need and then provided. And if we're okay with that, great. That's very that's that's good to be satisfied with that because he is a provider. It's part of his character. It's one of his nicknames, if you will. He's called provider. Okay? But there's more to the story and there's more reason why. It's actually a prophetic picture into something. Okay? Yes? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. You have full permission. If I lose you, say, what the hell did you just say? Okay? Please? Everybody agree? Good. Okay. So, he saw a need and provided, which is great, equally true, equally, equal in strength theologically. Um, but as you get to know me, I wasn't satisfied with just that. There's got to be more. There's got to be more of why. So, I want you to have a little bit of fun with me. I want your mind to have a little bit of fun with this message. Okay? You guys have a mind, and you use it to think. And I want you to think. I don't want you to just to trust everything that I say. Okay? I want you to weigh it. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about that? Okay? I'm going places. Yes? Yeah. Okay. I believe at the end of this message, and I have, ooh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you'll forgive me. Believe that you'll fall deeper in love with the Lord if you fully, fully capture all of this, okay? Enough of a buildup? Yes. Okay, great. Does anybody know what water represents in Scripture? Life, okay. What else? Fulfillment, okay, keep going. Refresh, good, yes. What else? Cleansing. Cleansing, yes, good. There's one, you're, you're at church, so you can use it. Yep, what'd you say? Peace. Okay, uh, close. I guess yes. Still water. Yes, Jesus. I know. <laughs> I told you, you're in church. So every once in a while, that answer will, usually that answer's right. Jesus is the representation of water in Scripture, right? We can see Jesus refer to himself as the living water 
when he met that woman at the well. Yes? Remember that story? He says, hey, I am the living water. That's John 4, 4 if you're taking notes. Okay? But now I need you to catch this next part. What does water represent throughout Scripture, primarily in the Old Testament? Anybody? Huh? Destruction. Okay, you're talking about the flood, maybe? Okay. What else? <laughs> that is very destructive. Yeah. What else? No? Okay, I'll bail you out. It points to a quenching or a satisfaction. Right? Just when you take a sip of water, when you're thirsty, it quenches and it satisfies your dry mouth, which I truly have tonight. It also points to a provision, okay? And I'll elaborate on this more. In Exodus, we see the Israelites long for two things. Those two things are water and bread, right? As they're making their journey through, through to get to the promised land, they're looking for water and for bread, right? We'll study that maybe soon in the future about what in the world was happening in that, okay? In the Old Covenant, or as I like to call it, the Water Covenant. Old Testament is Old Covenant, a.k.a. I believe it's called the Water Covenant. Okay? This is how a majority of the Jews viewed God. They were seeking for a Messiah, for a Savior, for a provider. Right? That's you want to understand the theme of the Old Testament? It's that. Where is our Messiah? Why is he taking so long? Right? Okay? The water covenant is Old Testament. Keep that in your mind. Okay? Or else you're going to get lost. You with me? Majority of people view God as a provider. Whatever God is, he's a provider. Yes? Okay? But he's not just limited to that one area. Sometimes... Especially in Christian circles, we believe that we just kind of capture onto one characteristic of God and we latch onto it, with, we white-knuckle it, and that's it, right? If you need healing, I'm just going to latch onto him as a healer because that's what I want right now. If I'm financially barren, I'm going to latch onto him as a, as a provider because that's what I need right now, which isn't bad, but there's a better way because he's bigger than just white knuckling one characteristic just like you're bigger evan's bigger than just a musician there's more to evan than just being a musician right there's a lot right there's more to Jaden than just being a car guy there's more to him there's actually an entire thought life that Jaden actually has day in and day out that doesn't revolve just around cars might be the primary <laughs> right which is fine right but it's not the only yes we could go down the list but for the sake of time we don't need to you guys get it yes more to Noah than just being a drummer there's a lot more to know than just being a drummer right get it so it would be a shame to limit yourself just to that right or for somebody to limit you to just that so why do we do the same thing with the Lord it's great that he's a savior but he's way bigger than that He's actually holy. He's actually majestic. He's a counselor. He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's, the list goes on, right? It's limitless. He's limitless. 
He's a lover. All of it. Okay? You with me? No? Okay, great. By no means am I saying that we can just throw away our primary quote-unquote use of him. I didn't like the way that sounded. We can't just throw away our primary preference that we want to see manifest in our life. Okay? But what I am saying is we have to approach the Lord in all capacities. As a king, also as a friend, also as a brother. Yes? Okay. There are many sides to the Lord. But if we only come to him in need of something or to feel something, then I'm purely just living in a water covenant. Just looking for a taste, a drop of water on my tongue to feel satisfied. That's all I'm looking for. He's bigger than that. Yes? Okay. What does wine represent in scripture? Not rhetorical. What is wine? What? Blood. Blood? Good. Okay. Whose? Christ. Yes. Great. Anything else? What, what else does wine represent? Oh, nobody. Holy Spirit? Really? Really? We'll talk about that probably not tonight. <laughs> Dangling some carrots. But, again, as you can imagine, my answer is Jesus. Wine represents Jesus. His sacrifice, right? His blood shed out for us. In Matthew 26, um, verses 28 through 30, Jesus states that the wine is the blood. This wine is, uh, here, I'll just, I'll just read it. This wine is my blood. Take it in, re in remembrance of me. And the natural, that's a super creepy thing. <laughs> If I'm just being honest, hey, drink my blood. Yeah, it's creepy. I get it. I don't like it either. Okay. But spiritually, it's a beautiful, beautiful concept, which is what I'm going to obviously talk through. When he makes this statement, he's essentially saying in my, tra my own translation, I call it the LT. Uh, this is my life. Take it and remember me. This is my life. Hey, Keelan, if you didn't have blood, what kind of state would you be in? Dead. Yeah, okay, good. Really good job. Uh, if you don't have blood in your veins, you're dead. So when Jesus says, hey, drink of this, take this, take my life, what's he saying? Have life in me. I am your life. Yes? You've probably never taken communion that way. Of just like, whoa, this actually means I'm taking of his life. I'm not just drinking some grape juice or wine. He is prophesying a scripture that would later be written by Paul capturing what Jesus is doing in the act of wine. And it says in Colossians 2.20, it states that my old identity and old self have been co-crucified with Christ and it no longer exists. Did you grab that? When I take him as Lord, as wine in my life, I no longer exist. Whoa, whoa, Max. I have my preferences, though. I have my desires, though. I have my goals, my motives. Yeah, he cares. He does. He probably wants to fulfill them. 
maybe not some of the weird things that you want to do, but hey, he usually says, hey, I see what's on your heart. I'm going to turn it to glorify me. Right? How do you be? You get it. I don't need to elaborate. So when it says that the wine, when I say that wine represents Jesus, now we have a little bit of a depth to it. And now we live not in a water covenant. We live in a wine covenant. Yes? Or maybe you've heard it as the Holy Spirit covenant or the uh, new covenant or the, the, the bridal covenant, whatever it might be. But for the sake of this message, we're going to look at the two contrasts, the water covenant and the wine covenant. Old, old covenant, new covenant, water and wine. Yes? Are you still with me? Okay. Wait, can you back up a little bit? Yeah. Two things. Two things back. Yeah, what are the two things? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Shoot. That uh, was right after you talked about... Um, Colossians 2? <laughs> yeah, the co-crucified part. I'm recording this. I can send it to you. Okay. Cool. Soon we'll get a podcast going, and then you guys can listen to it again, really soaking on it on this stuff. Okay. So the wine covenant, which we have capacity to live in today. We don't always, because of our posture unto the Lord, but... The Jesus slash relationship slash wine covenant is our reality today. Yes, can I still understand him as provision? Of course, because he is. But he actually has to become me. And I become him. Not in the God sense, but in the spiritual sense. Okay? Are you guys with me? Great. <laughs> the, cool, the cool thing is, is both revolve entirely around Messiah. They revolve entirely around this man named Jesus who came and died for us. Yes? Without Jesus, we have none of this. Okay? Now, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to John 2? Okay? John 2, this story is captured in, uh, in almost all of the Gospels. So as maybe your week goes on, feel free to read through them. Yes? You okay? I have a phone call. Okay. I don't want to interrupt. That's fine. Go. Thank you. I want to highlight all sorts of fun things tonight. Before we read this, I was thinking about the Noah Ark, the Noah's Ark story. Um, and it's crazy that Noah lived in a desert where there was no rivers, no ponds, and no streams. Usually a flood takes place when there's an abundance of those things. Right? And there's a lot of rain and then those things over, over bellow. Correct? In this sense, there was none of that. He was in the middle of the desert, but there was enough rain, there was enough water to actually raise the raise the level so that they had to get on a boat, okay? And I think that's really interesting. I think it um, ties in a lot to what we're going to talk about. Um, water is easier to come by in life with the Lord. And that'll make sense as we study this. Who wants to read John 2, 
verses 1 through 11. Anybody? Anybody have a really great reading voice? Keelan, you did last week. Yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Just read it loud. 1 through 11. Yeah. 1 through 11. Yeah. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, What business? Wow, English. What business do you have with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he tells you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots standing there were for the Jewish custom of uh, purification containing two of two or three measures each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. Now when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine, they did not know where it came from, because the servants who had drawn the water knew or sorry, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the groom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when and when the guests are drunk, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You see in that story how easy it was for them to get water? <laughs> right? He said, all right, fill up these huge pots, 120 gallons of water. That's a ton of water, right? That takes a lot of, that takes a lot of time just in itself. That would probably dry my well up at the house. <laughs> Hopefully not. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> that's like our biggest fear. <laughs> but that's a lot of water, right? But they got it really quickly. See how easy it is to come across water. Um, they knew exactly where to go and exactly how to get it. But wine is a long process. You can't just go to the sink, turn on the sink, and then wine comes out. That'd be, some people can, but not me. Okay? It's a long process. You can't just all of a sudden have wine. Okay? What Jesus is saying, water and wine come from the same place. And that's amazing. I don't want to dig too deep because, frankly, I don't want to lose you tonight. But verse 1 reads, on the third day, a wedding back then was a week-long, essentially, party festival. It was a week-long, right? If you know anything about weddings, they're very stressful, unless it's ours. Um, but a week-long wedding where you have to entertain guests for a long, long time, where you have to have a lot of wine every single night, a lot of food every single night. And the fact of the matter is when they ran out of wine, it was a public humiliation in that time. Like it was, it was as if you showed up naked to the wedding and it was that humiliating. Okay? The two graphic? You guys are like, what the hell is this dude? All right. Whatever. On the third day, it was a week long. Did you know Jesus turned water into wine in the natural during this story on the third day? But he also turned water into wine in the supernatural on the third day when he was crucified. There's two weddings that are taking place. And it's always weddings with the Lord. Right? 
you've heard that we are the bride of Christ, right? Very cliche, bumper sticker thing to say, but have you ever actually thought about it? That Jesus is actually my husband. Whoa. Is that allowed to be said at church? Yeah, it is. He is my husband. I need to understand how to love him as a bride. I'm a bride. That's weird, I know. That's a little bit, ooh. But do you get it? Okay, so he, he loves weddings. This, is, this was Jesus pointing to what it looks like. A wedding day means you're no longer alone. Unless you have a very unhealthy wedding or uh, marriage. But a wedding day means, oh, they, okay, the two shall become one. Not in just a sexual sense, but actually in a sense of we, we combine our lives when we're married. Yes? You guys have maybe seen this? <laughs> okay. These two worlds collide. Like it's not that Madison has her own separate life aside from me. She has her own hobbies that she might do separately from me. She has her own career that she does separately from me. But everything else, our lives collide over and over and over again. Okay? Weddings were a celebration of new life. When you get married, your life changes. When I got married to Jesus, my life changed a lot. It wasn't the same. I wasn't just going and doing the same stuff that I was doing. It changed. When I got married to Madison, my life didn't change quick enough. <laughs> it needed to change faster because I frustrated her. <laughs> because <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Okay? But they're supposed to change quickly. When you get married, your life changes. No longer can think independently. You have to think about the other person. Which is lovely. Yes? Jesus performed a supernatural wedding when he was crucified and resurrected. This was Jesus' first miracle in the flesh, and it was also Jesus' last miracle in the flesh. You getting this? Because if you are, you should be really falling in love with him. Remember, with Jesus, water and wine comes from the same place. Last thing I want to highlight on this is what Jesus asked them to fill with water. So often we're just thinking, oh, these are just like a couple little pails and little buckets. No, these were actually tanks of water. Like huge, huge tanks of water. It was 120 gallons of water. That means Jesus made 120 gallons of wine. That's a ton, dude. That's a lot. And he did it like this, right? Quickly. But what these tanks were used for is they, these were actually purification tanks. Okay? If you were at church this morning, that encounter, we did, oh, it was baptism. Allie got baptized today. It's wonderful. Okay? But these purification tanks were essentially a baptismal. Essentially, that's what they were. These tanks were used to wash your hands so that you could come into a festival or go to eat without being dirty. 
Back then, they believed that you had to wash your hands a specific way to wash the demons off. Okay? That's what these tanks were. They were purification tanks. Baptismals, if you will. Okay? What's crazy about this? How thrilled would you be to drink water out of one of those? No. Hell no, actually. No way would I want to drink out of one of those. Especially with the amount of chemicals that was in that baptismal. Gross. And as a Jewish person, those were the most unclean vessel that Jesus could have picked. Are you getting this? Like, they are the nastiest thing, right? The whole concept of being baptized is your, your old self is going under the water, and they believe that the old self stays in that water, and then the new self comes up. So all the nastiness, all the sin, all of the shattered identities, all of that stuff is now sitting in that water, sitting in these tanks. And they were made out of stone. They weren't made out of plastic. What stone do? It absorbs, dude. They were nasty, nasty tanks. And what did Jesus do? Say, hey, fill those up. Fill those nasty, nasty tanks up. Because I'm going to do a miracle with those gross, gross tanks. You're probably already thinking what I'm about to say. Jesus did this in us. I was a nasty, nasty tank before Jesus said, hey, I'm coming. What? He said, okay, I'm going to first put wine, but then I'm going to refine it. I'm going to age it. I'm going to cleanse it. And now I'm in the wine covenant. You get it? Whoa, dude. Do you see the prophetic picture of what Jesus did at this simple, simple little wedding feast? Not only did he say, all right, everybody drink up. No, he actually said, hey, this is a glimpse of what I'm going to do for the rest of eternity. I'm going to take something broken. I'm going to fill it up with water so that it runs over and then it's going to be purified with the wine and you're going to drink it. And what did the guy say? This is the best wine I have ever had. This is the best stuff I've ever drank. Usually they wait until the, usually they serve this stuff at the beginning and they serve the crappy stuff at the end. Right? Do you see what's happening? You see what Jesus did? He said, I'm taking the broken and I'm going to refine it, and I'm going to turn it into something beautiful. We always use the cliche of, oh, it's all in God's timing. How fast did he age that wine? <laughs> it was very quick. It's all in his timing. Isn't that cool? Right? Okay, wow. Oh, wow, that's pretty sweet. Well, how do we add the cherry on top here? Well, when Jesus was on the cross, what took, what took place? He said a bunch of things, right? It's finished. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. All these kinds of these quotes that Jesus said that are revolutionary that we'll probably talk about in the future. Right? And then this weird Roman guard comes up and does what? Stabs him. Stabs him in the side. Right? Anybody remember what poured out? What? Blood and water. Whoa, dude. 
And we're telling, you're telling me that he's not thinking of everything? You're telling me that God didn't think of everything? <laughs> Dude, that's so cool. When Jesus was stabbed, blood, wine, this is my blood, take it and remember me, poured out of him, so did water, and it then solidified, hey, everything's tied up in Jesus. Do you get it? He's the one-stop shop. The Lord thought of it all. He thought of dying for our dirty, sinful purification tanks. <laughs> so now I'm actually going to fill that with wine. I'm going to fill that with my blood. Come on. Down to I'm gonna, when Jesus gets stabbed, what pours out of him? Whoa. Water and wine come from the same place. He is the fulfillment of satisfaction and the fulfillment of life and life abundantly. He's not just messing around. He's not playing games. Right? This is not just a training course so that we can study up for what heaven's going to be like. No, the, the, Jesus said pray like this, on earth as it is in heaven. He said come and get it now. Right? Or Selene Gomez says, if you want it, come and get it. No, 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 no. It wouldn't be a Lex message without a Selena Gomez quote. But you get it? Isn't that cool? Right? Okay, so he loves you that much. And he, all he asks for is a little bit. He doesn't ask for a lot. He asked for you to love him. Isn't that cool? You see all the prophetic picture that just got displayed? Yes? He thought of it all. Down to purification tank, water, wine. I'm gonna I'm gonna just serve the best stuff I've got. His is the best. There's other wines. There is. There's other wines that you can fill yourself with, that you can say, I want that life. There is other wines. I'm not going to lie to you. This is the best. There's other transcendence that you can go and dabble in. That's fine. This is the best. It is. It's proven. It is. He talks to us. Isn't that evident? That makes sense? I think that's all I've got. So Lord, I just pray that we would fall in love with you. Because you thought of it all. You said, I'm coming for the dirty, the broken. And I pray that we would just submit to your ways. That we would bask in your wine. That you would fill us again. That you would remind us of what it's like to live for you. I just pray for a holy rededication to me. Pray that your 
throwing a wedding ceremony over every single individual in this room right now, saying, hey, come back. You are my bride. I love you. And he's so easy to come to. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're near. And I pray that you would remind us of every everything that you want to remind us of, of this message throughout the week. Pray that you would quicken us for your spirit, Lord. And that we would fall madly in love with you all over again. In Jesus' name, amen.